in my eyes classic notes uh from artists that no one knows that's right it's cover me i couldn't come up with any more lines for that i was doing that on the spot man hmm. well at least get it it's about cover songs this artist people know yeah well that'd be the classic notes i referred to ah see that's poetry baby that's right it's cover me the only podcast ever we talk about famous songs and there are many cover versions on this podcast and then compare them against each other in hopes of just, you know, having a good time. I'm your host, as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my oxymoronic co-host. Hmm. Alex Mildenberger. That works, right? Black Hole Sun's kind of an oxymoron. I guess so. I could have juxtapositional. One, like, gives off light and one, like, <laughs> absorbs light, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. J- I'll, I'll accept my, it. I'll my accept jumbo it. shrimp co-host. Jumbo shrimp. <laughs> That's me. That's that's Alex. And we're going to here to talk today about Soundgarden's smash hit from 1994, Black Hole Sun. In this was written by Chris Cornell. It's the third single off their fourth album, Super Unknown. And uh, it spent seven weeks on top of the Billboard mainstream rock charts. And it was featured in the hit video game, Rock Band. That's where I know it from. That's really originally. the first time you heard this song? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I definitely, I just like know it from the radio, I think. See, as I've said before, that's the kind of radio station I would have avoided. And no, no one else in my family would have listened to. You so would have avoided the ex- classic rock radio It station. wasn't classic rock at the time. It, I don't know, dog. They play pretty fast and loose with what's classic rock. Well, they do. They do. But the <laughs> station I listened to, well, at the time, for me, it was like 90s was like the cutoff. What were they playing? Strictly the big bopper on your phone? <laughs> 90s were the <laughs> like cutoff. Fats Domino. Sort of. Because they did play the Tragically Hip. And I yeah. later learned a lot of that stuff was from like the... So like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's arbitrary. Mm-hmm. But they didn't play Soundgarden. Weird. Yeah. Do you know this earned a Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance? I do now. Probably did before. Neat. Yeah, this is probably their most famous track, I'd say. This and then Spoon Man, probably, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's another one. I mean, those are the, those are both in Rock Band. Um, oh, yeah, because this is the third single off that album. I'm just, so. I'm trying to think of other, like, Soundgarden songs that I've heard in the wild, and I'm coming up blank. I'm going to do the, the old check them on Spotify, see what comes up in the top categories if black hole sun isn't number one by a lot i'll be shocked black hole sun is number one by a lot it's yeah. got about four times the amount of listens that spoon man has um which is number two and then we have fell on black days outshined and rusty cage fell on black days number two is number three. Oh, sorry what was number spoon two spoon man spoon, yeah yeah okay <laughs> okay um yeah i don't fucking know like any of these Besides Spoon Man. Yeah. I did go through a bit of a Soundgarden phase. Mm-hmm. So, at least I kind of made up for that. I guess you could say that the band's uh, discography is super unknown to me. Ooh. <laughs> you basically only need two albums for all those songs. Yeah. Which is all I know. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, interesting thing about this one on the charts is there's uh, some kind of rule regarding uh, uh like commercial releases the song did not hit the billboard top 100 i guess it i'm gonna guess it didn't have a physical release so okay it was like ineligible for the 
the top 100 the of the billboards? the billboard top 100 it hit the billboard mainstream rock tracks it's oh. different okay because billboard like you know sorts of things they have different lists yeah and this song is interesting because chris cornell says he wrote it in about 15 minutes which is very quick um we were talking about this last night yeah. you take any 15 minutes from my life or even my life as a whole yeah <laughs> and compare it to those and 15 it will, minutes. And it will never measure up. No. And, and yeah, they're just surpassing an entire lifetime. It's a, it's a interesting uh, sort of process we've talked about a little bit in that it, it started with the name. It was mm-hmm. a misheard news broadcast. Yeah, I got a line. quote here that kind of breaks down how he started here. So he says, mm-hmm. this is Chris Cornell. I wrote it in my head driving home from Bear Creek Studio in Woodenville a 35 to 40 minute drive from Seattle sparked from something a news anchor said on TV. And I heard wrong. Uh, 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 I heard blah, 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 black hole, sun, blah, blah, blah. I thought that would make an amazing song title, but what would it sound like? It all came together. Pretty much the whole arrangement, including the guitar solo that's played beneath the riff. I spent a lot of time spinning those melodies in my head. So I wouldn't forget them. I got home and whistled it into a dictaphone. The next day, I brought it into the real world, assigning a couple of key changes in the verses to make the melody more interesting. Then I wrote the lyrics, and that was similar. A stream of consciousness based on the feeling I got from the chorus and the title. Which is pretty impressive, especially to hold that all in your head. I guess he was already kind of experienced at the time. Yeah. They had a few albums out, but uh, still. Still, yeah, you know how many times I've, like, woken up, I'm like, oh, I have a sweet riff, and then I forget it, like, immediately. Uh, To be fair, I one time did record that, and then went back and listened to it, I was like, that's not sweet. (laughs) That's just a a groggy guy going, da-da, into a recording device. I I do remember that recording. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, once I had a dream, I told a really, just, like, like, a really good joke. Like, just solid. Like, not even, like, the best joke ever, but it was just, like, fucking good. And then I woke up, and I was like, fuck. What was that joke? I can't remember it. I never will. And it was... Mm. I'm sure it was very funny. It was probably great. Probably didn't make any fucking sense. So, interestingly, Cornell didn't think that the band would like this song. He says, here, I wrote the song, thinking the band wouldn't like it. Then it became the biggest hit of the summer. Yeah. Great black hole summer. Yeah. Well, the the song does mention heat. It does. Which occurs in the summertime. It does. And snakes. Yeah, that's right. Which occur in the summertime. <laughs> they, come, they come up from their holes in the ground. And, and then if they're frightened by their shadow, <laughs> there's six more weeks of winter. That's right. Uh, 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 so the song is... Uh, there's some, I got so many fucking dumb quotes about this song. It's performed in drop D tuning. Did you know that? I, yeah, which is cool. And I think it's kind of odd. I, was, I did watch a like video about it. Um, from a YouTube channel called Polyphonic, we just broke it down and talked about the different parts, and kind of said he seemed to think it was all like tuned up a bit from standard tuning, and that's an interesting thing. He said that made it sound like maybe a little brighter, but also it's in this drop D tuning, which I would expect to make it sound maybe a little darker than you'd expect, especially on like open stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, that is interesting. I attributed a lot of the brightness here to the, the Leslie speaker they use for the guitar. Right, I heard about that, but I don't know much about it. Let me tell you about the Leslie speaker. Please it's an do. amplifier slash loudspeaker that modifies sounds by rotating a baffle chamber in front of the loudspeaker. Mm, 
A baffle chamber. Yeah. What's a baffle chamber? I, I wish I could tell you. Okay. <laughs> Essentially, like it, it's apparently very. So I got a quote, a quote from guitarist Kim Thale here, who says it's very Beatles esque and has a distinctive sound. And ended up changing the song completely. So that's that. Oh, that is a cool sound. Yeah, and I like, called it rounded. Yeah, and but if you think about it, like thinking about Kim Thale saying that, and then thinking about like obviously more later Beatles tracks, mm-hmm. I can kind of hear that sound. I can see that. Yeah. So that's what I attribute with some of the brightness of it, because the Beatles in general are pretty bright. It's true. Uh, f- four bright fellas from Liverpool. Oh, oh. let me tell you. <laughs> Um, I got a quote here from producer Michael Beinhorn. Beinhorn? Beinhorn. Beinhorn. In a 2017 interview, he says, I think for the rest of my entire life, until I draw my last breath, I'll never ever forget how I felt when they started playing that song. From the very first few notes, I felt like I'd been hit by a thunderbolt. I was just absolutely stunned. What in the world is this? I get goosebumps thinking about it now. It is an interesting sounding song, and especially... Not only that, but it also seems to like resonate mm-hmm. with people. Like it doesn't sound like it's not like a fun pop hit, but it still draws people in. Yeah, which which is really cool. Because absurdly, it was like a, actually a summer jam for 1994. Yeah, and I don't think of summer jams as being like this. No, it it's kind of a downer in some yeah. ways. It can be interpreted, I think, positively. Possibly, probably falsely, but mm. I can see that with the, I mean, talking about the Black Hole Sun, getting removed, like the washing away the rain. And we're not talking about the lyrics yet, but mm-hmm. we'll talk about that more later. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, Chris Cornell also had this today. He says, it's funny because hits are usually sort of congruent, sort of an identifiable lyric idea. And that song pretty much had none. The chorus lyric is kind of beautiful and easy to remember. Other than that, I sure didn't have an understanding of it after I wrote it. I was just sucked in by the music, and I was painting a picture with the lyrics. There was no real idea to get across. And then he continues, No one seems to get this, but Black Hole Sun is sad. But because the melody is really pretty, everyone thinks it's almost chipper, which is ridiculous. Yeah. That's kind of what I just said. But I only said that because I read that quote. (laughs) Look at you, Alex. So, you know... Hell yeah, should we, should we take a fucking crack at these lyrics? We should, they're pretty, I mean, like you said, they were maybe not written with anything in mind. Yeah. But I don't think that necessarily means they don't have a meaning, so let's jump in, because I'll, I'll admit I didn't understand much. Yeah, I've got like loose, kind of broad strokes interpretations. Right. So we start off with, in my eyes, indisposed, mm-hmm. in disguises no one knows, hides the face, lies the snake. The sun in my disgrace. I wonder. I so obviously the first two lines, or like the first three lines, there are all connected. Okay. Because in my eyes, indisposed, right. in disguises, no one knows. Hides the face, lies the snake. That's a complete thought, right? Yes. For and what? the next line, maybe, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. So what I get from this, he talks about snakes a couple times in this song. Yes. So maybe to, to boldly go where no man has gone before, I'll jump ahead to that line where he says, times are gone for honest men and sometimes far too long for snakes. Here being what's, what is sometimes far too long is the times for snakes. Snakes being treacherous, Dis- evil people. Dishonest you know? people who are hiding their face and being... Sneaky or whatever. Yeah, so I wonder if that, coming back to that line, 
he is in some ways a snake or that he has these thoughts that are snake-like evil see these are thoughts he sees in himself yeah because he says in my eyes indisposed Ah. in disguises no one knows hides the face lies the snake this is his own experience and he's just worried that he's part of that yeah or he like he very clearly has this this inner evil that he kind of it's he disguises it but it's quite clearly there Okay, that's definitely, I see that. And I mean, we know Chris Cornell struggled with depression. Mm -hmm. So um, I can definitely see that kind of being that sort of self. Like when your mind's messing with itself and you're starting to wonder what your own intentions are Mm -hmm. and if you can trust yourself kind of a situation. So, yeah. Then we get into the sun and my disgrace. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I, I, why is the snake, the sun in my disgrace? I, I don't know. Like, is it shining a light on his disgrace? Is it the, the, the life giver of his disgrace? The sun, what does it mean for the sun to be? Because, hang on. In the, I'm trying to think, like, like, is there an aspect of the sun in his disgrace? Yeah, is there some kind of joy in that? Or is the sun revealing something? I'm going to pull out a quote that he talks about, specifically about the black hole and sun. He says, what's interesting to me is the combination of a black hole and a sun. A black hole is a billion times larger than a sun. It's a void, a giant circle of nothing. And then you have the sun, the giver of all life. It was this combination of bright and dark, the sense of hope and underlying moodiness. So the sun represents hope? Yeah, so maybe in... Because I feel like, maybe to jump again, if we talk about the chorus, Mm -hmm. Black Hole Sun, Won't You Come and Wash Away the Rain, I feel like he's asking for a full, like, just elimination of the planet. Like a cleansing. Well, I suppose I could see a cleansing as more of just, more than just, or not necessarily just as an elimination of everything. Mm-hmm. But he does talk about the times that are gone for honest men, maybe just ushering in another era past that or something like that. Yeah. But it's a, like he says, a black hole is this all-consuming void. Right. And the sun is sort of this, this idea of hope, this life giver. So I feel like he's saying, like, consume. So I think you're right. It's... Like make a new era, but by consuming the previous everything that's here the previous already. One? Yeah, it does have that. It, like it's like you were saying, mentioning oxymorons before. Mm-hmm. It, it is the life giver and the taker, yeah, sort of situation. But it's also, I mean, there's definitely in verse two. Mm-hmm. There's two lines. Um, that are sort of prayer-like. Yeah. Well, so and and then the the chorus could almost be interpreted that way as well. So it's almost like it's a it's a prayer to some god. Mm-hmm. I mean the the line in my youth I pray to keep takes the structure from like a prayer I learned growing up. Right. I forget the name of it. Um, is, is that one also in 
fucking the Metallica song, Hinter Sandman? I think so. Yeah, yeah that's the one that they, like, uh, My Soul to Keep or yeah. whatever. Um, of course, that's talking about your, like, life or salvation or whatever pretty specifically, whereas this one talks about youth, so I don't really know mm-hmm. what the extension is there. Well, yeah, I wonder again, because I'm thinking of this sort of fatalist wiping out thing, mm-hmm. reminds me of Forever Young, where they had a similar idea about, again, staying forever young, dying at this point rather than wasting away. Oh. Because the line before, in my youth I pray to keep, is in my shoes a walking sleep. So he's awake right. and moving, but he's not doing anything. Other than composing fantastic songs in 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Although, you know, the character of the song. Yeah. Um, and obviously, how, what you feel doesn't necessarily uh, respect what you do. But I don't know if that line made any sense. That made a lot of sense. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then Heaven Send Hell Away also sounds like like a, a, an appeal to some higher power. Mm-hmm. Pretty um, explicitly. Yeah, pretty explicitly send hell away. Yeah. So the, the awful things. But then I, the, the line I don't understand is the one after that, who he's addressing, no one sings like you anymore. Well. Is it just like a... The thought I get from that, because it, of that prayer stuff we were talking mm-hmm. about, is like a hymn. Like a choir singing, sort of. Right. So, um, this is where I wish I maybe had learned a little bit more about what the idea was behind hymns. I don't know if it's almost like supposed to be this idea of like an angelic hymn of like an, a choir of angels. Like no one does that because we all suck. Like right. Or no one like there's no like people following the good anymore. Right. So they're not singing okay. the hymns of whatever kind of. That that's kind of what I think of. Yeah, just that's actually I think that's smarter than what I was gonna say. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say sort of just like a a callback to days gone by, but not so much in the sense that you were going to these sort of glory, like angelic days, but just like right, you know, nobody sings like that anymore. Nobody just sings because things are different. Yeah, things are different. There used to be this light and joy, and now it is. And I mean, I will say, when this. Obviously, they couldn't have known it at the time. The way Soundgarden sings and the way like a lot of the um, like grunge-type rockers sang is different from what came before. It's got kind right. of more like a growly roughness that was present before, but definitely really came to the forefront there. And also is quite popular afterwards. So it definitely, I would... Mm, no, I don't really like where I'm going with this anymore. I don't think it's true. You're saying it's almost a critique of the grunge era in this which, interpretation? Which it couldn't have been, I don't think, because it was they were in the midst of it, but I, I wasn't there, so it's hard for me to say. Yeah. But now I'm just taking it very literally, though, talking about literally a Liter- style of yeah. singing that they kind of popularize and still exists, but they couldn't have really been looking back on it. Because that hadn't happened yet. Yeah, because they were right in the middle of it. It's yeah. 94. Like. So even if you say 94 is like the cutoff for grunge and then post-grunge came after. Because when did, when did, uh, when was Kurt Cobain's suicide? Um, it was. I thought it was. Like, close to that time. Yeah. Um, there was actually a thing on Genius that said, because some people suggested that that's what the line was about. 
but that is not possible because so this guy says this was not written for Kurt Cobain. It was actually written before his death. This song was actually shown to Nirvana at their last recording session in Seattle, according to an interview with Dave Grohl. Well, in that case, I'm kind of rambling now, but (laughs) no, I think this is worth like this is what we have to do with these lyrics because there is no lots of extrapolation. Yeah, it's we you kind of have to go all over the map here to pull Mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, that is interesting, and we gotta. I guess we gotta jump back now with what knowledge we have now to back the sun of my disgrace, boiling heat. Summer stench, neath the black, the sky looks dead. So, I mean, definitely, like he was talking about sort of painting a picture with the with the lyrics. Mm-hmm. That definitely does that, of this, like, apocalyptic scenario where everything is rotting. Yeah. You know, this kind of, like, revelation-style idea of, like, everything is just at its end, and it needs to be yeah. cleansed, like you were saying, this destruction that is the black hole sun that Destroys everything and then brings new life. Yeah, and it's interesting because in this sort of the lines boiling heat, summer stench, the sun is burning things up. Right. And almost giving this rot rather than playing its role as a life giver. Hmm. So, so again, we get this. And then, so my interpretation of Neath the Black, I guess there's two ways to look at that. You can say Neath the Black of depression, like your own black lens of that. Right. Or quite literally the black whole sun which I believe is in this surreal dreamscape, as Chris Cornell calls it, is right. actually hanging in the sky. Mm-hmm. And you can see it, but you can't really see it, but you can kind of, you know, mm-hmm. black holes. We can see them now. We can see them now. As they of, look exactly like the cover As of this unknown. past week that we totally decided to do this song because of. That's naturally exactly <laughs> what we tried to do. Uh, so good timing. We're just really good one. at this. Um, but. Yeah, and and even because of the lines where it does feel prayer like, it's almost looking at this like destructive power as like a a deity in itself, not necessarily as like a conscious benevolent deity, yeah. but just as like it's just power. Absolutely. Cuz yeah, like even in the chorus, it's just like he's calling out to something that I think he knows can't respond. Mm-hmm. It's just this power. It's almost like a crazy wizard in this, you know? Crazy wizard son. <laughs> um, and hang on. So, yeah, then the last two lines of the first verse are, call my name through the, through the cream, and I'll hear you scream again. It's just like a play on cream and scream. I think the cream is just supposed to be like the sky, because it's like cloudy or something. Okay. But there's the sun. But also... I mean, when you kind of get that muggy heat, yeah, when it's like not direct sun, but everything's cloudy, and I think that's pretty common in Seattle. So maybe that's just okay. Like on a hot muggy day, that's what it would look like when you looked up. But also, the sky's black, so it kind of looks like coffee cream. <laughs> For some reason, you can also see the clouds even though it's dark. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's why that's why I take neath the black to mean that there is the black hole sun present because I just can't right. understand like a nighttime sky. But there's also the sun and clouds and yeah. But again, maybe that's there's a the lot of idea. things going on with lighting here that maybe don't make sense in reality. Yeah, and yeah. So I guess who 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 is he? Who is he asking to call his name? Through the cream. Maybe just anybody. Maybe it's just like a reach out, a re- like a call for help sort of oh, deal. Yeah. Like, like if if, if the 
black does represent this sort of depressed perspective where everything is kind of covering you and mm-hmm. pulling you in. Just like hearing someone reach out for you might, would be valuable, I would think. I guess. And then, but then I'll hear you scream again. Yeah. Scream his name? Yeah. But also like a scream is, uh, I don't know. That's uh, I got nothing for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm struggling to think of something really specific for it. Mm-hmm. Other than just more like painting of destruction and like trying to. Yeah, maybe, like, maybe there's the just like chaos of and... the call as well. As it turns into a scream. Which sounds pretty surrealistic to me. Hell yeah. So we've kind of talked about the course for the most part. It's yeah. worth pointing out that generally. It's rain that washes away things, right? Right. But in here, we're washing away the rain with this. The black hole sun is yeah. washing away the rain. Now they're flipping it on its head a bit. Does that mean something? I don't know. I guess it's, again, just surreal imagery, right? Yeah. Hmm. And I guess with... Because I'm, I'm imagining this intense heat from the sun that is, again, like in the first verse, withering shit and bringing out this stench that it might just be that strong that... Even rain just gets fucking... Right, so the heat and the whatever, you know, black hole. So it's like, the rain's not enough. Like, the rain is the traditional, like, bringer of new life. But it's like, we, we're too far gone. Right. So the rain is not enough. We have to destroy everything. So the rain is also... Right, being it has to be... <clears throat> taken, like, being destroyed. Because everything is destroyed mm-hmm. to go into this next phase. Yeah. Let me see here. So we talk. I think we actually co- we covered most of verse two. Yeah, we did talk about a lot of. I'm um, actually the first two. half of verse two. I think is very easy. Right. Stuttering, cold, and damp. Steal the warm wind, tired friend. Times are gone for honest men. Sometimes far too long for snakes. Which we did talk about. Talk yeah. about snakes. So um, he's got a quote for times are gone for honest men here. Let's see. It's really difficult for a person to create their own life and their own freedom. It's going to become more and more difficult. And it's going to create more and more disillusioned people who become dishonest and angry and are willing to fuck the next guy to get what they want. There's so much stepping on the backs of other people in our profession. We've been so lucky that we've never had to do that. Part of it was because of our own tenacity, and part of it was because we were lucky. I don't think I could reiterate that better than uh, than that. Better than, than he said saying it. times were gone for honest men. Yeah, they needed to, or they've seen it around them mm-hmm. that people need to get ahead by screwing over other people. Yeah, I guess. I suppose the rain is maybe what made the the tired friend here warm and or cold and damp. It does tie in. Yeah, May, they're like the honest person, maybe like they've they've they're damp, so they've been washed, they've been yeah. cleaned or whatever. And but they're cold, so like he's like, hey, go go find some warm wind. But even they have to steal the warm wind mm-hmm. to survive. Yeah, because I guess that's right. He's saying, steal the warm wind, buddy, because times are gone for honest men. You're going to have to start robbing yeah. if you're going to make it. Yeah, that's actually pretty cut and dry. Interesting. <laughs> compared to everything else. <laughs> cut and dry from that warm wind. Hell yeah. And we, we talked in my shoes, walking sleep, youth I pray to keep. Uh, um, then we get a bunch of chorus. Yeah. And uh, hang my head, drown my fear till you all just disappear is, I think, a very... It's pretty easy. Generally, when yeah. you're drowning in emotion, it's through alcohol. Sure. Substance abuse. Mm-hmm. 
until you all just disappear to numb yourself from the world around you. If the black hole sun's not going to come, you're going to kind of take it upon yourself to, you know, drink yourself out. Yeah, and it's like, it's suddenly because, like, in the previous lines, or the previous choruses are very similar structurally to one another. At least, like, they have the same, like, melody, melodic Mm -hmm. structure. Whereas this one is just two lines and then gets totally cut off. And... Now this one, I mean, we talked about the destruction and the sort of apocalyptic nature of a lot of this stuff. Now suddenly we have a verse that gets cut off partway through and doesn't even really make it very far in. It's just him Mm -hmm. and he doesn't get a chance to sort of, in the other ones, he's always talking about both involve him like addressing someone else, Mm -hmm. but this one, he doesn't really get a chance to. Yeah. Like everyone disappears. And then, and I guess that's done. why he stops. Yeah, and that is that's yeah that's essentially it for unique lines on this. Yeah, and then they repeat the. There's a solo. And there's a lot of choruses, and then, this what Genius calls a post-chorus, which is which is just, just repeating one of the lines from the chorus. Yeah. Of the two chorus lines. Right. Or, sections. Because uh, that's the one that goes. <laughs> Yeah, where he goes up. Won't you come? Took a drink of water, so I couldn't sing it. Nice. So yeah, I guess to to sort of summarize this, it is sort of just a a uh, melancholic like dreamscape song. Yeah, like apocalyptic melancholic mm-hmm. dreamscape song. Apocalyptic melancholic, surrealistic. Yeah. And, a lot of adjectives. And uh, I think that actually the music video does a really good job of sort of capturing that vibe. Yeah, the music video is pretty interesting. It's like, well, they, should we talk about the music? Should we talk about the music a bit? Yeah, first? let's talk about the music a bit first, and then we'll yeah. jump into the music video. So we've talked already about the guitar that's put through the Leslie speaker, which is a big part of this. Right. That, and that's, your verses are very uh, sort of soft in this. There's a, there is a bass line throughout the song. It is uh, pretty low, like, in the mix. There's not a lot going on with it, but it is there. Mm-hmm. This is a really a guitar and drum piece for the most part. Yeah, and I mean, the vocals are pretty prominent. Yes, absolutely. Just because it's got that, like, poetic thing. And, mm-hmm. and really... he's, I think he's softer spoken in the verses than he is in the chorus. Seems to be, yeah. In my eyes. That's black hole sun. It gets this heaviness on it. Yes, it definitely the vocals they they added some echo too, I think. And maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of distortion. Yeah. Around the edges. Uh during the chorus. And I think he, the uh almost juxtaposition of the verse to chorus singing again pulls that idea of the juxtaposition of black hole and sun. Mm-hmm. Soft and strained. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, part of what makes this song work is it just takes this dreamscape idea and works it through each instrument properly. Yeah, and it's a lot of weird sounds, or the like. I mentioned I was watching a video about it. Mm-hmm. They use a lot of like sort of not super conventional chord progressions and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like there's a lot of different ways to interpret it in terms of like theory, but I can't do that because <laughs> I don't, I don't have that knowledge, but it was, it was a neat video. Absolutely. Um, 
I can't say absolutely and see the video. What else? No, do I no have you to can say agree with me. One? It's fine. Yeah, the drums do a lot for the sort of leading in to the chorus and out of the chorus because they do a lot of fills in this piece. Yes, just real quick ones, but like they're they're very interesting. The guys in Soundgarden, I think, were like really good. Yeah, well, the Soundgarden drummer is Fine. also the drummer for Pearl Jam. Oh, I don't know much about Pearl Jam drums, so I can't no. like. But he he got around is the point. Yeah. <laughs> People seem to like him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we get like a big like like we said a lot of choruses in this, so there's a lot of that repetition. And then you get the sort of the bridge section, which that's the word does the do no 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 no. Yeah, where there's like there's like that riff playing, mm-hmm. and then there's like the solo going over top of it. Yeah, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cool sound, and you really can that like riff. Has varying amounts of like focus in the other versions. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, but it's a cool sound. It's very low. It sounds very dark. To yeah, me. and it's like it's like it's real like it's classic grunge at this point. Yeah, right? it's very much of that era. And then they're just like kind of shredding on top of it. Yeah, I shouldn't and then make it, guitar sounds with my mouth. It goes so perfectly from that to back to the the like verse guitar. So, like, through its transitions from sort of harder rock to this softer mm-hmm. verse, I think it does a very good job of balancing those. That's true. It feels very natural. Mm-hmm. Flowy. Um, anything else to say about the instrument? I can tell you that guitarist Kim Thale said it wasn't safe as milk, but it wasn't glass in someone's eye either. It was the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. Now it's the dream on of our set. Yeah, I remember that quote where they compared it to dream on. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. They also, I think, maybe part of that, because like to me, dream on doesn't sound like Steven Tyler singing. Yeah. Very much. So they kind of seem to think it's different from their other songs quite a bit. Um, so I guess it's in that way as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's all. And also the recording engineer on this was Brendan O'Brien. Do we know who that is? No. Cool. But Wikipedia thought it was worth mentioning that he was there. So okay, good well, job, yeah. Brendan. Thanks, Brendan. You were part of a good thing. Should we talk about Howard Greenhalgh's music video? The music video, yeah. They the quotes I read seemed to say they were like, we didn't really have much interest in music videos. We just wanted to play music and look disinterested. Yeah, uh, that's essentially it. So he, Chris Cornell said we chose this treatment because it seemed interesting. I told him on the phone. We're not going to do anything. You're not going to get anything out of us. We're just going to stand there because we don't want to do this anymore. Somehow, for whatever reason, he loved that. <laughs> cool. Perfect. Great. Exactly what I need. So most of but this yeah. is uh, uh, Soundgarden in like a, a, with a green screen behind him for the sky. Right. They're just kind of playing their instruments, looking disinterested. Yeah. And then we get these sort of, I wrote it's like a, like a color version of Pleasantville. Pleasantville. That's that show that's all like, it was like the 1950s. It turns out in that show, or some okay. movie, I don't know. That is it like the Stepford Wives? Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, everyone is like, it's like this suburb, like 1950s dreamscape mm-hmm. of yeah, like, exactly. just perfect, just like people in like colorful clothing, just like going around being in their like weird, perfect lives in like a surreal way. Yeah. And then it starts to draw, like their eyes will get big and like, CGI will just like create smiles on them. Yeah, and they'll stuff. get like distorted and like expanded. 
Yeah, which I think pulls to the ideas of one the the in my eyes indisposed line like hidden in the face lies the snake and you know right. And there are times where someone will like stick a tongue out and be a snake. Yeah, like the the lady on the mm-hmm. beach. She like eats a fly or yeah. something. Yeah, which I don't think snakes do that. But this is not important. That's not important. She's a toad, maybe. She's yeah. She's a strange toad woman eating bugs. There's an old guy that looks like Vince McMahon. <laughs> I wish I had. Ah, I forgot. To, I was gonna go back over the video and take detailed notes, but I forgot to because I watched it and I was like, "Whoa!" Well, yeah, it's, it opens up with sort of these uh, like doomsday proclaimers, mm-hmm. and the, one of them's got it. But they're all they all also look very pleasant. They're a little Everyone's weirder looking, happy. but they're all like these pastel colors. One guy's got like a little tiny curled mustache and some like John Lennon sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. And one's, oh, yeah. one's got that like beautifully handwritten sign that just says the end is nigh. Oh, so the so the world's ending, but everyone's kind of still happy. Yeah. So like those people are waiting for it, and then we get some of it is in motion shots. Some of them are uh, what's the word for that? It's like a uh, like a diorama, but with people. I'll just call it a diorama. It's a still shot. There's a very um uh, vignettes. Oh, okay. That's the okay. word. So we have vignettes of people. There's one where the guy's like, I think either fixing a TV or just getting like really close to yeah, it. Yeah, I think he's just like staring at the TV. Yeah. He's just, because, I mean, it was still the 90s, so there was maybe a little bit different perception of like, you're rotting your brain from watching oh, too much yeah. TV. There was that, I, I found that, and there was like the, the like bodybuilder dude that you'd never see anymore with, you know, like fake spray tan. and Just like, like an the, older lady like staring at him. Yeah. Some of it's also like weirdly sexual, which I can see that being like a theme of like these are things people are like distracting themselves with yeah while the world outside is ending exactly because yeah then you've got the lady with the snake the toad lady who's uh, like tanning just by the pool is there a brief moment where someone has there's like a lady with i couldn't tell because it was low resolution right there's something vibrating Mm. i don't know what it's supposed to be Fuck, I don't know. Should we take a look? We should take a look. So that, yeah, that vibrating thing you were talking yeah. about was one of those, like, belt One of those belt shaker things, things that are yeah. supposed to, like, tone your abs or something. Yeah. Maybe other muscles as well. I don't know. So again, one of the, the, yeah, like, watching that video again just now, there was a lot of, like, criticisms of vanity in there. Yes. Absolutely. Um, trying to think of another example. Well, at one point, they literally barbecue a Barbie. Yeah. I don't know if that's related to vanity as well. It could Because there's sort of, sometimes Barbie is, like, viewed as, you know, the, like, unattainable ideal Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, because remember, like, in school, I was like, Barbie was a real human woman. She would fucking snap in half. Yeah, and, like, her Achilles (laughs) tendons would have to be shortened. I don't know. Yeah. She wanted to walk like that all the time. Like, <laughs> like teachers always told you this, like, they were fucking trying to build Barbie in their spare time. Yeah. Like, I've been working on an organic Barbie for the past 20 years. She breaks in half every time. <laughs> every goddamn time. Man, that would be an interesting uh, version of Frankenstein. <laughs> they keep breaking in half. <laughs> just, you, you go to Frankenstein's house, there's just these snapped women. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> so it's a lot of... It's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of that. Um, it's very, like, 90s counterculture. Yes, absolutely. Even, like, just, the yeah, the idea of, like, being real or being, like, a poseur. Yeah. And, like, all these people are just, like, pretending to be whatever. 
And even at the end, when everything starts to get destroyed, like they're screaming, but then the CGI will like put a smile on their face. So like yeah. they're smiling and also screaming at the same time. So yeah, it gets it's it's all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this music video was uh, like responsible for it becoming a big hit as well because MTV played it a bunch. It's an interesting video to watch. Definitely, it's one of those things where you kind of pick up on new little details each time. There was a. Uh, a dead beekeeper. Right, and people start, like, dying. Yeah. And just no one cares. Everyone just keeps skipping rope or eating ice cream or whatever. Yeah, or frothing ice cream at the mouth. Yeah, or spitting that ice cream back up just because. <laughs> yeah. There's kind of that... I'm trying to think if there's another example. Just, like, things being useless. Like, she eats the ice cream, but she just spits it up. And like you were saying, there's someone who's, like, suntanning, but also has, like, a heat lamp. Yeah. And I don't know if that's something you do. It seems weird. That does seem weird. Just, like, redundant. Because, yeah, if anything, the heat lamp would, like, cast a shadow on part of her. Or if, like, maybe it's, like, the they're cold because the world's ending and there's a black hole sun. She's like, I'll just keep suntanning. I don't know. Right. Just, like, ignoring the obvious destruction. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. As, as far as, like, visual representations of a song go, I think this does a good job of also having that there is a meaning here, but it's sort of hard to derive from the lyrics right yeah, yeah. It's definitely surreal yeah so yeah I, I think it's actually a pretty good music video if not maybe a little dated yeah it's interesting to watch although some of that works because it's supposed to be like fake right yeah and then they bring in the cgi and it looks fake fake because it's from 1994 and they were on like low budget and like I'm trying to now compare it to like when we talked about toxic toxic music video. Yeah, the CGI is like not that much better in the toxic music video. Oh, I was thinking of that and Shakira. <laughs> that true. That too. But the toxic music video, which I guess was ten years later. Yeah. Almost, yeah. Toxic ish. was 2004. Um, right? I don't. Th- it doesn't look that much better. But maybe that's just because we're so much better now. Everything that's old looks equally bad to me. Yeah. Um. And they didn't do a whole lot, but. Considering how expensive the Britney Spears one was. Like, it was record-breakingly expensive. Oh, yeah. That's right. They were like, that, this like, cost, like, a fuck ton of money. Like, it didn't look that much better. No, it really didn't. Um, That is, I think, all I have to say on the music video. Yeah? I will say this. One time, I got pulled over. Like, do you get pulled over when you're walking? <laughs> sure. I got pulled over by two cops. Like, just I just stopped. Because I was drinking in public, and they're like, hey, man, you look like Chris Cornell. Also, pour that beer out. And I was like, all right. <laughs> all right i'm glad that encounter went well for you yeah me too <laughs> so let's talk about the covers now let's yeah. jump into our first one by paul anka Not 2005. 2005 stuttering cold and damp steal the warm wind tired friend times are gone for honest men Sometimes far too long for Yeah, there were other covers of this. Um, I noticed there was a 1995 one by a Japanese duo called Sibo something? Sibo Man? Man? <laughs> and it was, I don't know, it was kind of boring. It okay. was in French, though, weirdly enough. Interesting. Yeah. Wouldn't have expected that. So this is Paul Anka. Yeah. Anka. He's Canadian. Yeah. Woo! Canadians. Singer, songwriter, and actor. And he wrote She's a Lady. Oh, later. Which, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's a fucking... And he wrote a song with Michael Jackson that, that I can't remember what it was originally called, but now it's called This Is It. Like, also oh, the name of the... The, the, the movie, yeah. the, like, 
documentary about what was supposed to be the, the right, Michael Jackson final tour Michael or Jackson tour performances. I don't know if it was a tour or just or they're, like one, are they going to tour it or are they just going to play in one place? I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. Yeah, it was either. It was one of the two. Yeah. Um, performances. I'll, I'll have this to say since we're talking about covers. There was a quote here from again Chris Cornell, in which he says. Some of the more entertaining moments of my adult life have been listening to different versions of this song. Like listening to Paul Anka sing those words, which he does great. What's the Chris Cornell review of this cover? He does great. He does great. At least in terms of singing. Yeah, this is like a real 50s, uh, like... Yeah, this guy's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, he's... I think he's still alive, but like he worked with like obviously Tom Jones. He wrote mm-hmm. "She's a Lady," as we yeah. mentioned. Um, some other famous guys from that era whose yeah. names are not in my brain right now. But he has an album of duets where he does a "She's a Lady" duet with Tom Jones. That's from like more recently, right? And he rewrote the first verse because he thought it was too chauvinistic. Hey, yeah, there you go, Paul. So. That's cool. Um, and this version is interesting. The The album is on. Mm-hmm. The colors are similar to Super Unknown. It's got oh, that yeah. like it's kind of red, orange, starburst yeah. sort of thing. So I don't know if that means anything. It's not like it's a single or anything. It's got no, a bunch yeah. of other songs on it. Um, and, and the opening is like strings, and it sounds very like movie-esque to me. Yeah, it's like very like almost show tune. Which, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's kind of the, the right era. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of, and then it kind of turns like big bandy, but not yeah. at first. At first, it's like... Um, it's almost see. like lounge just, music. Yeah, it's just like piano, and he's kind of singing slowly. It does sound like lounge music. A little, like, jazzy. Um... And the chords are all just like rolled up, so you don't play the whole thing at once. Right. You roll up and bling, bling. And yeah, and he, yeah, he kind of just sing, he sings quite slowly. Yeah, and he's got a good voice on him. He does. He definitely has that like '50s style voice, and I think it works for him. And I mm-hmm. think weirdly enough, it kind of works for the lyrics too. Yeah, the lyrics have an interesting way of fitting in different contexts. Yeah, it because they do have that very like poetic feeling. And Absolutely. Yeah. So even in his first part, he also like changes, I think. He says, Call my name through the dream, I think. That's Ooh. what I heard anyway. Maybe. It really sounds like that, which I think is an interesting line as well. Mm-hmm. Um, or it sounds cool. And it works about the same way. Yeah, and that would it kind of ties it also to the line of waking sleep. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good a a, a decent change. Yeah, that's a, that's not bad there. And yeah, so you're right. The first like verse is this very uh, it's like to strings. Tim singing very slowly. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me of uh, like the Willy Wonka song, like Pure Imagination. Come with me, and you'll see. But then he he jumps up. The piano and some horns kick in, and it's more like yeah, it's way more upbeat. Yeah, Black Hole Sun, won't you come? Yeah. And wash away the, the rain. rain. Black hole sun. But like the original song, it's got a pretty strong melody to it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of still works. And it's like old school. I don't know enough about that era of music to say, but they could get into some like dark stuff and still make it sound that way. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that. And I think that's what happens here. Cause there's almost, it's almost like a sarcasm to it or like a, 
like a sort of laughing at your own mm-hmm. troubles kind of vibe to it. So this is like nihilistic view or maybe absurdist view of yeah. like the world is ending. Everything should be destroyed. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I'm much too long for snakes. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it sounds cool. Yeah, honestly, I thought this was a real good version. And I mean, there's a few little quirks in that he like he skips i think the first half of the chorus mm-hmm. and he doesn't really say that very often yeah like he he the line he says is black hole sun won't you come a lot mm-hmm. uh won't you come won't you come as opposed to saying wash away the rain right that doesn't actually come up very often yeah that one's pretty sparse which is kind of i don't know i don't know if that means anything I think maybe it just flows better without having maybe. to repeat that one. But I think it's yeah, it's it's definitely a different arrangement. Mm-hmm. So when he says "wash away the rain," just the one. I think he only says it one time in the whole song. Yeah, I think it's the, yeah, pretty much the first one off the bat. And then he does a big ending, big like show. Oh yeah, of, again, it's very sh- show tunes, big band. Yeah, which is the fun sound that I like. So. Yeah, and like I'll say this because I know I shit on Scoot Bradley's postmodern jukebox. Right, I feel like. Paul Anka has the right to do that because he... He was there, man. He was there, and that is like, very clearly what he does. <laughs> like, that's his thing. And although, if you listen to his cover album, which was from a few years later, mm-hmm. it sounds more modern. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, he could do I just think, yeah, he's got the chops to do it, whereas Scott Bradley does not. Sorry, it was a duets album, not a right. cover album. Yeah. Should we jump into Peter Frampton? Yeah, let's talk about Peter Frampton. 2006. <laughs> Peter Frampton, I think of that whitest kids you know sketch with the uh, it's like an auction Indiana They're like Jones auctioning is there. off Peter Frampton's guitar. <laughs> yeah, or like, this is Peter Frampton's guitar. <laughs> like, it belongs in a museum. <laughs> Sit down, Mr. Jones. <laughs> it belongs to Peter Frampton. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I think of. Yes. That is what do I think about when I think about Peter Frampton? I don't even know. I don't think about much. I don't think about Peter Frampton much. No, I also know that Jesse saw him live in concert. With, right. He was with the Steve Friend Miller and band. former guest. Friend and sometimes guest yes, of the podcast. Uh, J- Jesse, Jesse Crossley. Yeah, and he was not. He was not impressed. No. And I gotta say, this version, not impressed. Yeah. It has Soundgarden slash Pearl Jam drummer Matt Cameron on the track. Oh. As well as Pearl Jam guitarist Mike McCready. Oh. Is that... I've seen that name around, but I, I keep know. meaning to look it up. There's actually like several Mike McCready's. Okay. Because <laughs> if you yeah. go to the Wikipedia page, it here. Just I'll, like disambiguation. Like yeah. Pixar animator. I don't know. It's, uh, let's see here. So we got Mike McCready. Um, for the British Olympic fencer, see Michael McCready. For the music entrepreneur, see Mike McCready brackets music entrepreneur. For the Michigan politician, see Mike McCready politician. Hmm. Yeah, it's like looking up Mike or Michael McDonald. Yeah. And he's in, uh, this guy's also in uh, with a side project band such as Flight to Mars, Temple of the Dog, Mad Season, and the Rockfords, of which I know none of those. I think um, Chris Cornell was also involved with Temple of the Dog. Let's take a look. Yes. Cool. Uh, so this version is mostly instrumental. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds, it's 
they're just like kind of recreating the sound of it but instead they they put the guitar use the guitar as the as the voice yeah which i imagine is peter frampton on that guitar. yeah because i think he's kind of known as a guitar guy mm-hmm. he does that sort of thing and i think he does a decent job of like doing the vocal thing with the guitar like yeah. it's not just playing the melody like he kind of gets the curvature right he does a little, little i don't even know if that means it, anything like... yeah it it's talking yeah with the guitar or or you know singing with the guitar beyond just playing music i think mm-hmm. and i think he does a decent job with that but other than that there's not a whole lot yeah it's like because again you got sound the sound garden drummer on the track so the drums right might as well have just been ripped straight yeah. from the original and then like mike mccready just plays the rhythm part and it sounds again like the same as the original. Mm-hmm. So the one like key identifying factor is this is this guitar, guitar. sound, and then also what is, is it a dictaphone? Is it a vocoder that comes? Near I the don't end? know. Um, it might just be, uh, like a really distorted microphone. Yeah, and it's it it actually sings the the post chorus. Black Wilson, won't you come? Like, that was kind of cool. I wonder if that would have been cool to have throughout the piece. The whole thing? I don't know. I wonder if that would be too much. Yeah. Maybe not. But uh, I thought they did, like, a decent job with the guitar, like, tones and everything. Yeah, like, it was a good-sounding tone, and he's a good guitarist. But yeah. I think at the cost of the lyrics, it doesn't come out on top for losing those. I think it loses out. Yeah, I mean, the, the lyrics are definitely a good part. And other than that, it's a fairly faithful recreation mm-hmm. of the original. But um, I thought it was fine. Yeah, it's like if you yeah. played it live, if ever, for some reason... You'd be like, hey, I know that. Which I, I almost hey. went to see the one that Jesse went to oh, see. Oh, yeah. Because my mom kept saying, like, hey, does anyone want to go? Because I think she wanted to go and, like, make a whole family event out of it. Right. But then I was, like, finishing up school... And when I finish up school, when, I, when I'm like in exam season, which is when they were coming, I don't care about anything mm-hmm. at all. And this concert would have been cool to see because it was also the Steve Miller band. Oh, yeah. Which Jesse said were fantastic. Yeah. So that would have been neat. But I missed out because of my own bad attitude. So what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. So that, um, yeah. And there's, oh, the guitar solo is longer, I think. Yeah. Naturally, I think. Yeah. It's Frampton Zoo guitar guy does guitar things Mm -hmm. my favorite peter frampton anecdote it's not even that exciting or really an anecdote fact i guess is he was the like kind of younger tag along guy um because he went to the same school as david bowie so it was like david bowie and like the other guy who i think punched david bowie and made his eye weird and then like they would always play music and then peter frampton was just like the younger kid who yeah like hang out with them or that's how he uh sounded in like the bowie biography oh yeah that we read that's right yeah by mark spitz by mark spitz yeah so that's a fun story <laughs> that is good yeah i don't have much else to say about this one no me neither let's talk about uh ramin jawadi 2016 <laughs> Westworld. Westworld. So this guy is a score composer. I will list off the things that are big that he's composed here. Okay. Iron Man. 
Pacific Rim, Warcraft, Clash of the Titans, A Wrinkle in Time, Slender Man, Game of Thrones, Prison Break, Person of Interest, Jack Ryan, and of course, Westworld, which this one comes from. That's a that's not a bad resume. Yeah, he's got a, like there's a couple of fucking Grammys. I think he's won two or Emmys or something for his scores. Whatever you whatever you win for this for category, scores, yeah. Oscars, um, <laughs> Tonys, <Maybe>. Tonys. <laughs> just a guy named Tony saying, "Hey, good job." <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Tony's. Just like I like your work. Hey, uh, he hangs so. your fucking picture up in his pizzeria or whatever his laundromat. <laughs> sure, I got a Tony. <laughs> so this is this version is. Um, pretty straightforward again, but it's all on the piano. Mm-hmm. So and, uh, contextually, but like, in the show, it's right. a player piano, and it's, some fucking murder happens or something. It's literally in the first episode of the show, and it's the only episode of the show I've watched. Cool. I've seen the movie Westworld. That's a claim to fame. That is, yeah. Oh boy, what a fun film! And its sequel, Future World. Really? Yeah. Oh, they made a sequ- Space World. No, what is it called? I think it's Future World. Ninja World. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so this is played on a player piano, so it's got that old, like, honky-tonk sound. Yeah. Like, your piano in this house kind of sounds like that. That's right. It's, like, a bit detuned, because it's old, mm-hmm. and, like, it's got a cool, like, old, like, warm sound. Like, if I want to, you go to the honky-tonk setting on your like, digital piano, and just crank the mids, and you kind of have that sound. Yeah, we literally did this last night. Yeah. <laughs> like, you did. You were just like, oh, honky-tonk sound. I was like, yep, sounds just yeah, like it. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So, yeah, it's uh, it's very possible. Yeah, and it does a good job of capturing that sort of saloon sound. Like, Absolutely. It's, it's This one definitely fulfills its purpose. But, yeah, it is I don't f- have very much to say about yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, it captures a bit of sad essence in there, too, because yeah. uh, just the way it's played. And it totally works. I haven't seen the show, but I'm sure it, it, it sounds like it should work in it, the context of the show. It was probably the highlight of that episode I saw. I was like, oh, that Black Hill, son? Hey! <laughs> that was it. So, yeah. Yeah, neat version. It's cool. And obviously this guy knows what he's fucking doing with music. There's a, I checked the album it's on. There's a bunch of other covers. In that I assume are done in the same context. There was right. like a Radiohead one. There was fucking Baby, your mind is a radio. Yeah, that's that's the one. Got a receiver. <laughs> that, that, that classic Radiohead head. song. It's got painted black. It's got uh, actually, it's got a track on the Westworld track. This isn't by uh the guy. It's by Vitamin String Quartet. Oh. And they do a cover of Radiohead's Motion Picture soundtrack. Interestingly Seriously. enough. And then there's fake plastic trees as well, which is uh, Radiohead one. What else they do? Uh, 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 uh. I don't know. They do some other shit. A lot of Radiohead. They got to exit music for a film here too. All right, simmer down, Westworld. Jeez, <laughs> get off Radiohead's dick. Speaking of penises, let's talk about Scala and the Kalakni brothers in 2016. In my heart. So Scala, is, probably. Scala, I think so. Yeah. So that Scala is like a Belgian girls choir. Yep. And these brothers are a director and like a arranger slash piano. Yeah. Pianist, piano player. Um, and this is an in. This version is very sparse. Yes. It's like this, like very like soft, mostly. 
women's choir. Yeah. Singing the song. In my eyes. Yeah. They're all like it sounds like a choir because there's a bunch yeah. of them, and then like the piano is mostly just playing single notes mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and like a couple chords, and it kind of builds throughout. Yeah, and like they do more and more chords. Like it's a very slow build, and then it like it hits a point where they sing high. Yeah, and there's more piano, and then it goes and then right even that back like drops down. back down, yeah. and it kind of builds again. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's it's very kind of one of the interesting things. Uh, I thought is like in the build of the piano itself mm-hmm. it like it starts very sparse and then kind of as a way of building intensity sort of increases the note density it's just like more and more notes playing not necessarily it's not like it doesn't really feel faster it's just like denser there's just like more right and then it's kind of or, and they'll be like connecting notes and stuff between stuff that wasn't there before okay kind of interesting Technique. Yeah, this one I feel like this one needed another element to it. Because most of it was just this like one piano note yeah, choir it's singing. Very, I was interested by this one. Because I, like, it was so it. sparse. Mm-hmm. They just like totally brought it down. Like they cut out a lot of the Yeah. Not fluff, because I don't think this song was bloated no. originally, but it's just become this very, very sparse thing, which is an interesting thing to do when you're moving to a choir, and now you have a lot of voices. Mm-hmm. But they're all, like, they don't do a lot of, like, harmonization, even. Like, no, I think near the end, they do singing. a bit. Yeah, well, they do, but they so have does one group go high. Yeah. Black hole sun! And everyone's like, won't you come? Won't you come? Yeah. Yeah. But like it's it is really not a lot, and I'm intrigued, and it's kind of almost haunting, mm-hmm. just yeah, because choirs do that. That's that's an effective use of of a choir, yeah. and it pulls. It's on a shame some... you need an entire choir just yeah, to do that, just to get that vibe. And I just, I just wish there was like one other thing, like some kind of change in the chorus or something, just to get some of that juxtaposition we get in the original. Just piece. a little more something else to like hold the interest. Yeah, just to give me something. But yeah, not definitely not a bad version. Probably could have been shorter, given how little actually changes in it. And uh, let's talk about Sophia Carlberg in 2016. In my eyes, indisposed, in disguises no one knows. Hides the face, lies the snake, and the sun in... Carlberg. I don't know if that's how you say it. It's probably... Well, she's Swedish-Moroccan. She's Swedish, so... So, it's probably uh, not how you say it. She got big off of her Beyonce cover of Crazy in Love. Or rather, her cover of Beyonce's Crazy in Love. So cool. And yeah, so she's like a YouTube hit. Yeah, she, and she has like some cover songs that have been in TV and stuff. Yeah. So. Just like your boy Aqualung. Just like Aqualung. <laughs> I, I, I don't think this is quite... I mean, the weird thing is, that's not like Aqualung's only thing, though. That's like her... I'm sure she has other stuff. Right. But he was like, he's like an artist who's successful. Right. Or I think. And then he, they're like, and then we like need he did that cover. Take on me. But I guess that's his whole thing. Like the, his version of Take On Me is like his whole shtick. Right. Anyway. Um, so I do not put them in the same category, but I, <laughs> maybe I should. <laughs> maybe I don't um, know. She, um, this is interesting that it's an acoustic version. It doesn't have an acoustic guitar in it. No, but it starts with some strings that do the like riff near the end, the, like descending riff. Yeah, they do riff. the actual bridge riff. 
That didn't sound right. <laughs> you know, it goes down. It's the one that gets played underneath the guitar solo. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting to start with that. And it does sound kind of neat on the on the strings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you get strings, you get piano that's, like, slightly more involved than the uh, the ones we just had in the last version. Like, two notes instead of just one. Sorry. Dun-dun. Zoned out completely for a second there. Piano notes, my man. <laughs> there's more piano in this okay. one. Than yes, there is. A, there, yeah, the piano, there's more like chords and stuff. Yeah. As opposed to the like mostly single notes. Yeah. Especially at the beginning of the last one. And uh, oh, it, it has some single notes in the piano as well. It kind of yeah. has a similar, it almost does something similar. Yeah. Where it starts with single notes. And did you just say that? Yeah. So it's almost oh, like sorry. instead it's like double notes on like for every two bars. Right. You'd get the same amount of notes. So this, this one's like okay. one, two per bar was the other one's one per bar. If you were measuring note density. Yeah. It would be twice as much. Exactly. Okay. That right. was my point. She's I swear got, I'll pay attention. No, no worries. It happens to me too. So and she's got pop vocals, but breathy pop vocals. Yeah. Sounds modern. Sounds, sounds yeah. This is definitely a modern one. I mean, it's from three years ago now, but still modern. I think that's yeah. And, and she definitely gets the softness of the verses down. But again, I have the are. same problem with this that I have with a lot of other versions of that. There's no juxtaposition to that. There's no change in the chorus that makes you go, "Oh fuck, this is interesting." Yeah, I didn't find this one as interesting as the choral one yeah the choral one had a lot to offer in that just in just having a choir sing it yeah whereas this is i could see this be licensed for a tv show oh yeah but i i didn't think it was that interesting outside of that no it's a pretty uh you know it's it's, it's it goes nowhere it's like a one note kind of other piece than for me. the strings were kind of neat but it yeah. didn't do a ton it, it for was, me it was neat to have strings and piano yeah. and no acoustic guitar yeah i thought that was interesting yeah, and she's not. Uh, mm, eh, mm, map, but you know what's even more interesting? The Acacia Strain in 2016. Yes, the Acacia Strain. These guys are a metalcore band from Massachusetts formed in 2001. The vocalist is the only remaining original member. And their Wikipedia page kind of sounds like it was written by him. <laughs> that would not surprise me. <laughs> so, I'm not saying anything, I'm just saying maybe. Yeah, so instrumentally it's pretty similar to the original I found. Yes, very close. Um, kind of interesting transition mm -hmm. from, because like, the original is pretty hard rock. Yeah. Like, as far as rock goes... That is not metal. Yeah. But then transitioning to metal doesn't actually change that much. No, you get a like, little more of that metal tone on the guitar, yeah. but But like it's pretty similar. Just because I don't know, that they didn't need to change it very much. Yeah. To get to that sound. Um, there's a few little differences in like kind of where things sit in the mix. Yeah. And this is maybe a little less clear in some cases. But I think part of that is the vocals are quite different. Yes. Because these are like growls. Or it's, it's, I think yeah, it's a growl, it's, not a scream. It's a growl city up yeah. on this bitch. This is very growly. And uh, it's, again, the same. I'm going to say the same thing I've said for the last two tracks. The growl needs a counterpoint. Yes, it's very... I, it, would you say it's monotonous? Yes, it's one note. Because definitely it, is, it, it doesn't change much, 
And I'm trying to, because like I get the feeling of the melody still, mm-hmm. but I wonder if I'm just filling it in because like the rhythm's there. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, like actually... my brain is just saying, no, that's happening here. But like if you actually listen to it, it's not really changing. No, it's pretty much the verses and choruses just bleed into one because he's just growling in the same manner throughout. And it's uh, like some of the drum fills are like larger and more metal on this one. And um, the ending riff's slightly different. It goes, instead of going, it kind of just goes straight down. There's no up note. Keeps going down? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with what you said about, like, it's fairly even. Even, like, there... Because, like, in the original, it goes between the, like, guitar, and then, like, on the choruses, they do the, like, they do, like, big power chords. Yeah, it goes to like some real uh, grungy But vibes. there's really not much change in this one because it doesn't no. do that same like melody. There's also another thing they do. Mm-hmm. Um, right at the end of the verses, and I think it happens at least twice, I noticed it. There's like a synth part. It just goes like, wop, wop. And like, that's it. <laughs> I did not notice that. <laughs> it's just like two quick notes and it's gone. I think it's a synthesizer. Could be a guitar, but it happens so fast you can hardly tell. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. It's just like, he like stops singing and it's like bop 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 bop. All right. So I don't. Yeah, might have been slower than that. But anyway, um, yeah. So watch for that. Yeah. And there's uh, also another guy screaming, or I mean growling, or yeah. maybe he's growling higher. Yeah. Which, if you can change your frequency that much when growling, why don't you do it when you're singing? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a uh, hmm. For the like black hole sun, the like yeah. background part black where he sings it up. Sun. Yeah, I guess he probably just did that in two separate records and layered them, right? Mm hmm. And then there's a metal guitar solo. It's good. It's pretty similar yeah. style to the original. I didn't like Yeah, again, like, I didn't like compare notes. There really wasn't a big. But yeah, like the change, it doesn't the change. Hard rock very and metal. Much. Yeah. And yeah, this one, I don't know. This one, again. I hate it when we always have to shit on growling versions. But I know. I feel like this one goes on for a very long time as well. Yeah, it was excessively long. Which, was it longer than the original? It's close to the same length, I'm pretty sure. The original is uh, 519. This version is 530. Yeah, so, I don't know. It seemed a little long for some reason. Because nothing fucking happens. Nothing happens. Yeah, fucking... maybe that's it. I wasn't yeah. interested. Speaking of weird things with songs, I forgot to mention this for Sophia Carlberg, but I was playing it on like one track repeat, mm-hmm. and it was very hard for me to realize that the end had occurred. Really? It was just like, it was almost a perfect loop. Oh. <laughs> Did not notice that. It was weird. But let's talk about Walk Off the Earth in 2017. This is a quick one. This is a very quick it's one. It's like a minute long. This is by Mike Beard Guy Taylor, who died last year of natural causes. Really? Yeah. So he's like the pianist of the group, and he did a bunch of other things. Okay. He died, and he's like 30 and died of natural causes. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like murder to me. Sounds suspicious. But this is like a, a kind of jazzy piano version. Yeah, it's like super short. Yeah, minute long. And uh, honestly, I feel like it would be good to just like bust out of parties and be like, hey, look, I know Black Hole Sun, but you don't get everyone to sit there for five minutes. Yeah. And like watch you play the whole thing. The whole thing. It's perfect. Yeah, this was charming. Hey, Nito, like right on. 
And he has like two out. Al- he's got an album of like covers on the piano. It's called Beard Ballads, and he's got a holiday version too. So like, hey, uh-huh. you want some short holiday pieces? Yeah, right it on. Definitely didn't overstay any welcome. It was yeah. pretty well done. Little arrangement of the melody and Canadian. Oh, how about that? So this fuck is yeah. also. I mean, we've talked about other instrumental versions before, but definitely on the instrumental versions you kind of get to hear they talk about it having like a pretty melody Mm -hmm. they don't say that exactly but it really does it has a nice melody to it and it's not maybe noticeable in the original but when you hear it like this it's like it's like kind of minor yeah but like it still sounds like very nice it's a very pleasant melody yeah it really is um Especially considering that the song has so much like distortion and 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 that like sort of hard rock trappings, mm-hmm. and maybe that's part of the appeal. But it's, yeah, it's good sound, and I guess that's why it does work in other contexts as well because you pull that melody out. It has that strong melody. Yeah, it's got it got a strong backbone here. Let's talk about Leo in 2017. In my eyes, indisposed, in disguises, no one knows. Hides the face, lies the snake in the sun. Leo's back again yeah. for the third time. For the third time. Uh, this one is not his metal covers album, though. No. This one is just a cover, like a single. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, pretty similar as well, at least to start. It has yeah. the like slide guitar that kind of like slides around yeah that does that kind of like it sounds a little different but it might just be transposed yeah i wasn't totally sure and then he's just got like he's doing acoustic guitar for the first part there as well yes so and then this is the first time i've heard him not growl on a track right at least right off the bat i think it sounds pretty good yeah i think he's got a not bad voice on and he this version has like a pretty decent like build it's yeah it's got a solid progression when you compare it to i mean like the choral one i always forget what they're called uh scala scala like theirs is like very very slow and then doesn't climb that high Mm -hmm. um this one like really has like a good like curve on it because it does kind of get medley at the end yeah he like like, cuts loose at the end of it because like let's see um even like it's just guitar and vocals for the whole first verse and then even like once he gets to the chorus, it just adds like kind of a bass sound. Yeah, like it, really, like it doesn't change he that much. He gets like a like a reverb on his va- on his voice too. Or oh something. yeah, yeah. And then and then even for the second verse, that's when the drums come in. Yeah, and like a higher guitar sound, which I think is the same as the original. Yeah, it's but like... that comes in much earlier in the original. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah. And he does a little metal growl during the like bridge solo section. Yes. And then it goes yes. but then it goes down again. And then it comes back then up it has another... to this. So it's this yeah, metal it's got stuff. a decent like interest curve or whatever. Yeah, and he like he actually brings in the growl and it works because he like he built to it. Mm-hmm. Rather than just having it like in that other version in the Acacia strain where it was just like growl, growl, growl yeah. the whole way through. It's totally flat. This one's like soft, and then it's like weird vocals, and then it's like Back to soft, and then it's like growl, and you're yeah. like, "Oh shit, we're doing things here." And it also has some of that like sparseness of the of the uh, fuck Scala. <laughs> yeah, like because there's it has it has a slow build, so it starts with not much going on. Mm-hmm. And I think last week I said something about like 
it felt the the Leo version I, I didn't like because it felt like it needed to be bigger and have like a whole metal group there. Yeah. And I feel like everyone could be doing the whole metal thing. Whereas I think this actually benefits from being a little more subdued and, and having fewer moving parts. Yeah, absolutely. And then he still manages to actually pull in some metal and make it interesting. But then it's not till like way at the end. Yeah, right at the end. And then you even like it's like the double kicks and the big chords. Yeah, you get some of that kind of like chugging uh, guitar effect yeah. where it's like. Dun, 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 dun. So yeah, overall I thought this one was uh, this one was pretty well done. Yeah, this is definitely the best one we've heard from Leo. I know we usually don't aren't very nice to Leo, but <laughs> we, you did it, man. You did it, buddy. <laughs> Way to go! Way to good, go, man. This was a good one. This was a good version. Let's talk about Nora Jones in 2017. In my eyes. Indisposed In disguises no one knows Hides the face Yeah, so this was a live version. Yeah. And it was a tribute after Chris Cornell's death. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be very difficult for me because this one is technically like kind of one note-ish. It doesn't have any massive or like noticeable builds. yeah i don't want to like really critique this too much because it's it is a tribute mm-hmm. and i, I think, think she does a good job though yeah just... she definitely sounds like i mean it's Nora jones doing a doing a piano thing and she's kind of just by herself mm-hmm. um it, the piano the way she plays is kind of interesting yeah. though it's it's the timing is almost weird like it was hard to for me to tell like what for me to like predict what would happen mm-hmm. because like she would play like she maybe she would come in late yeah on, on one note or something when she would and and sometimes she would follow the the melody with the piano and sometimes she would just like yeah, chords it was, like yeah it was definitely not a straight cover and yeah. I thought that she it, like it really benefited from that kind of playing in the space of Black Hole Sun rather than just note for noting. Mm-hmm. Like the melody, yeah, it was is interesting. And like Indeed. I like I mentioned, there's these like vocally, she doesn't go like huge. Like the the changes in that perspective are much more subtle, but they still get sort of the same results I got from other versions that like focus on the big changes. Yeah, and there's also this is quite a long version. Yeah, so she does seven some minutes. repetition of the like black hole sun stuff, mm-hmm. and I think earlier on the like higher black hole sun part yeah is played on the piano oh so like yeah. it still kind of has that upness but it's just on the piano and the piano isn't like super hard being played like super hard or anything yeah and then she sings higher later on as well mm-hmm. so like it does have it, it is another like slow burn one yeah but also because it's so much longer she kind of has more time to play with that. that's true so, yeah. And it, like, but it holds my interest better than say, like, obviously the most direct comparison to this would be the Sophia Carlberg version, because it's like female singer, female vocalists, and you get some piano in there. I mean, arguably the most direct comparison of this one is probably Paul Anka. Interesting, because you get some of that jazz vibe in there. You do. It's got some more of that. And where is where like Nora Jones sticks more to the the lounge vibe that Paul Anka sort of opens with. Right, and then doesn't transition to that like mm-hmm. more fun big band style. Exactly, and obviously there's sort of a, a melancholy mm-hmm. around you know the events of 
of uh, Chris Cornell having recently passed away. Yeah. So I, I got, think she does a good job too. of capturing, yeah, both the melancholy of the song and obviously she's clearly a fan of Soundgarden and Chris mm-hmm. Cornell. So, like, it captures some of her own sadness in there as well. It's, it's good. I actually like this one, which yeah. I think was surprising given how actually sparse it is. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. It's good. I like it. And that's the last song we're talking about. So, we're going to go into our final reviews where the categories are worst song, best song, and summer jam. Summer Jam. <laughs> yeah, buddy. So hit me with it, Alex. What's the worst version of this? What is the worst version of this? I mean, based on what I've been saying, mm-hmm. and I only speak the truth, the only one I really... <laughs> Always said you looked like a sitar. <laughs> the only one I was really down on? Mm-hmm. Okay, there were two. Yeah. Um, was Sophia Carlberg, which I was kind of like, I was not, just, just like, not really interested yeah. in. Yeah. And then the Acacia Strain one, mm-hmm. which... Was a little less interesting, but I've been thinking about growling lyrics and screaming lyrics lately a lot. So that interested me, just the nature of that. Yeah. So that was kind of me bringing my own thing. So I'll give it to Sophia Carlberg, but it's close. <laughs> it is close. And and I think that I added my own interest to the Acacia Strain version. So I was like, can I do that? Well, yeah. I the answer is like- no, but. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you because I like I have a soft spot for growling vocals because I like I understand the sort of technical proficiency required mm-hmm. and I understand that they can can be good but we just keep missing like good versions of it on this show we have never quite hit it's the same they're or sort maybe of like we just don't understand it but we'll maybe we'll get maybe there. but like we had John on and we That's had true. Robbie on and they've both sort of agreed with us on the versions that we've talked about. That's not of, great. Yeah, it's not. They they haven't been great growlers. Okay. Hey, folks, if you're out there and you know yeah. a song with some great growling vocals, hit us up on Twitter. Learn us up on growling. Yeah, hashtag cover me pod. Hashtag great growlers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna take a Casey Strain for the worst because it was just like flat. It was just a flat line from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And I think it could have done better because I think Leo did do better by incorporating growls on this. That's true. So there you go. What's the best version of this, Alex? Best version? Oh, man. Um, best cover. Best cover, yeah, because not surpassing the original for you? No, I don't think so. It, it's so, like, I think it's a very poignant, timeless, powerful song, so it's, it's, yeah. it would be very difficult. Well, like the, like the producer said, he's like, oh, I thought it was, I felt like I was struck by thunder, struck yeah. by lightning. And I was like, yeah. It's one of those, at least in my mind, I, I don't even know how you would surpass the original. It would be, I don't know, impossible. Not, maybe. not easy. You'd have to go completely different. As we've said this before. Mm-hmm. There's definitely, and maybe it's just because it's cemented in my mind as this thing. Right. But it's it's cemented in my mind as this thing, so that's how I see it. Like, but um, geez, best cover. Um, you know, you know what, you know what, you know what. I liked a few of them. Mm-hmm. I really did like the Paul Anka version because that was a fun. That was fun. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and I really would like to give it to him, and I think I will. I think I'm going to. Yeah. It's going back and forth, because I, I wanted to throw Leo some love, because I think he did a good job of this version as well, but at the end of the day, I, I, I think the Paul Anka version really appeals to me more directly. Yeah, I think, I'd, like, I, I agree with you 100%. For me, it's that Paul Anka one. Again, I want to give shout-outs to Leo for having, a, like, an actually solid piece on this one. And like I, I thought the Nora Jones version was very good as well. Mm-hmm. 
and I think those are kind of my top three there. But yeah, the Paul Anka, like I would bust that out at parties. I'd be like, yo, listen to this though. Summer parties? Summer yeah, it's my summer jam, buddy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, so what what is the summer jam here, Alex? It's gotta be the walk off the earth version. And I'll tell you why. Tell me. Because that's the version I could play at parties. And you're gonna be partying in the summer. In the summer. Hell yeah, man. Just carry my piano around. <laughs> you gotta go to one of those towns where they just have pianos out in the streets. Yeah. You know what has that? Cochrane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cochrane, which is close to Calgary. Alberta. Alberta, where we live. Canada. For now. For now. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad pick, picking walk off, walk off the earth. Yeah. I'm going to say Summer Jam. It's, I'm, I'm, coming, I'm coming at this hot and heavy, hard and fast. It's going to be, uh, it's gonna be a R- Ramin Jawadi's Westworld version. Yeah. We both picked instrumental piano versions. <laughs> Hell yeah! So I'm gonna be getting getting blasted at the saloon, and you know but in it's the summer, like, yeah, in the heat, in the perpetual summer of the wild, wild west. That's right. And this this the summer just, of like, our lives. A, just put a coin in the player the, piano. Yeah, That's not player how player piano. pianos work, is it? Maybe because they are just hand crank the player piano. Just make it go. Make it play. Sing, sing. piano. Piano, Piana, as Piana, as Bob Ross once called it. No, <laughs> Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. <laughs> All right, that's been our main segment. Yeah, we're gonna. If you got any, you got any. If you disagree with us, agree with us. Just want to talk about. Do we miss any cover versions that you care about? Holler at us. Hashtag Cover Me Pod at Jake the Cressy. J A K E T H E C R E S S Y, and at some Alex Wise guy. Which that one's easy to spell. It's a lot of words. It's just a lot of words. And now, for our bonus segment. Hey, Alex, here's a question. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite song that's just the, 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 the title name is just a year? Ooh. Okay. And why is it 1984 by David Bowie? It's 1984 <laughs> by David Bowie. <laughs> but uh, runner up to, is it, I'm trying to remember, the is the name of the song 1921? By oh, the uh, by the Who, yes it is. Uh, that's the runner-up because we are almost able to sing that in a year Ooh, where it's the right year. Got a feeling 21 is going to be a good year. Yeah, even though not all of it makes sense. Like, you wouldn't really want to play it at a New Year's party, but you yeah, would. You, you would. You would. <laughs> it doesn't all make sense, but no one's going to care. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely 1984 by David Bowie. Hell um, yeah. Trying to think of other songs that are just years. Um, I know there's 1985 by Passion Pit, which you probably don't know, nope. but... I would like to pretend that song's about Back to the Future, but it's not. 1985! 1985! Um, the Homeless Gospel Choir has one. I believe it's 1983. Oh, yes. Yes, 1983. Okay, I do know that song. I like that one. Pretty good song. Um, I'm trying to think of what other ones are. There's uh, 19, oh, Holland 1945, but that's cheating. That is cheating a bit, but uh, I'll allow it. 1933 by uh, Frank Turner. Frank Turner. Okay. Actually, I might go with that one that's for my favorite because that a is good, a solid. But yeah, also love one. David Bowie. Yeah, I'm like I'm <laughs> especially just off Diamond Dogs. Like I'm such fuck, a Bowie yeah. fan. I'm such a Diamond Dogs fan. I know. Like nothing else. There. I mean, I'd have taken it if you didn't take it. Yeah. It's got to It's got to be. It's got to be that. I. Um. Fuck, what other ones are there? I feel like I should know. There's got to be lots that like we don't know, right? Probably. Is there a song about like 9-11 that's just called 2001? Ooh, maybe. Is there a song about a space odyssey that's just called 2001? 
There was a song called 2001 by Snoop Dogg. Is it about... What's is it, it about 9-11? I feel like we could really go either way on that one. <laughs> When's it from? Does it have a year? From 1996. Oh. So it's not about 9-11. Um, what's that Outcast one? Oh, 1999. Is that a Prince? Oh, yeah. Is it called 1999? 1999. Is that the name of the song? Um, maybe. Is, is there, there's that... I know it's featured Outcast prominently. Outcast song about 96 going to be that year. Is that actually 96 called 96? 96 going to be that year. Not, I don't think so. 1999. Rants. Is the fifth studio album by recording artist Prince. Yeah. So yeah, 1999 is the first track off that. By Prince. Yeah. We're talking about um, partying like it's 1912. <laughs> mm, no, I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is a year. I forget sometimes. Yeah. Of course, 2112. That's, that's high. That's high on the list, too. That's high on the list. Um, oh, um, 39 by fuck, Queen. I, yes. Yes, these are all good songs. That's a solid one, too. Okay, so this category is pretty, um, pretty, it's, it's a tight competition. I still have to go with 80, 1984. Oh, fuck yeah. Just because it's Bowie, but like, there's a lot of close ones. Really like 39. Yeah. That's a, that's a really solid that's Queen song. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of good songs. Hell yeah. So if you guys want to hit us with your favorites, uh, hashtag reeling in the years. <laughs> and yeah, let us know what your favorite year song is, and maybe we'll shout them out on the next episode or something, or more likely, like 10 episodes from now. Yeah, whenever Speaking schedules. of which, John agreed with me that Minish Cap is an underrated Zelda game, so. Did, I Can agreed with you too, right? <laughs> yeah, well, cool. you, you just. Uh, just making sure. I wasn't like having no, a we bad day like, and started yeah, shit talking like, Minish Cap. Fuck Minish like, Cap. No, Ezlo talks too much. Too goddamn much. And he barely even does anything. He's just a mechanic personified. No, I liked Minish Cap. <laughs> yeah, Minish Cap's tight. And personified mechanics are some of my favorite mechanics. Thanks, Navi. Who's a Zed targeting? Anyway, that's I sh- right. Shouldn't get into too much. Because without Navi, you can't Zed target. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's been the episode. Thank you again for joining us. I've been your host, Jake Cressy. I've been uh, Alex Mildenberger. Tell me why it's Z targeting. Yeah, tell holler at him. Yeah, we'll play him on the show. <laughs> Whoever does the best job gets a free high five. High five if you can find us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, rate us, review us, subscribe to us, tell your friends about us, tell your mom she likes old music. She loves 1990s grunge. Who doesn't? She, she wants to hear about Black Hole Sun. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. Google Play, Stitcher, Poddini, that one. And as we always say, uncover me, that's the cover game, baby.